it's really a blueprint I believe anybody could follow. So before I explain that, I'll just back take a step back and say that there's a lot of people listening to this that want more money. They want a stronger financial position. They're willing to put in the work and they just get bad advice. Mm-hmm. I think nobody, maybe think about like the 90s. You're around during the 90s, right? 91, I was born. Okay. So you probably <laughs> don't remember this. I was there. But. There was the, That's why you see me as the godfather of everybody. That's exactly right. Uh, there was this trend in exercise where they would sell you home gym equipment that, and they would show how easy it was to get in shape. Mm-hmm. So they'd have the ab roller and there'd be this like pretty blonde lady doing crunches and she's smiling. And it's like, I'm having so much fun yeah. doing these crunches or the thigh master. You just sit yeah. there and like squeeze this thing with your My legs. Mom had one. Yeah. You remember yeah. that, right? Yeah. Nobody ever got in shape in the nineties. It didn't, it didn't because you don't get in shape by doing easy stuff. That's not how that life thing works. didn't work. No, it just became like people would hang their laundry on it, but there was like, that was the trend is like, there was this little thing that you would put on your stomach and would literally shock your abs to force them to contract. And it was like, you can just sit and watch the prices right and get a six pack by the time you're done. Damn. That was the trend is it's easy to get in shape mm. and it didn't work. And then when CrossFit came around, mm. everybody started to get fit. The thing was CrossFit is so sadistic that in order to get you to stick with it, they had to create a cult of mm. like a family. Like, <laughs> dude, no one's going to do this yeah. unless we brainwash them into showing up every day because it's <laughs> effing hard. Yeah. Right? And it, I just noticed like the minute that it became difficult to do, you started to see results. Mm. For some reason in this space, it's become trendy to tell people, you don't have to have skills, you don't have to work hard, you yeah. don't have to get good at something. Uh-huh. If your life is hard in this path, just take this one, it'll be easier. Yeah. And you know as someone who's in the space, Ryan uh-huh. knows who someone's in the space, it's not easier. In fact, it's harder sometimes yes. to be an entrepreneur. It's better, Yeah. just like CrossFit is better than a thigh master or an uh-huh. ab roller, but it is also harder. Yeah. Right. So the way that I got into bigger pockets was sort of this old fashioned blueprint that I think more people need to hear about if they actually want to build wealth. Mm-hmm. I was interviewed on the podcast. And when the show went oh. well, I just said, um, like Brandon said, because he says this to everybody, he's like that guy that tells every girl she's different than every other girl, <laughs> but he doesn't do it with women. He does it with the people on the show. He's like, dude, that's like one of the best podcasts we've ever done. Yeah, like, he, really? he just says it to everybody all the time. That's his thing, right? And so I was like, really? And he's like, yeah. I was like, well, in that case, um, can you put me in touch with the gal that runs your blog? Because I'd like to write articles for the blog. So they gave me her email. Mm-hmm. So I emailed her and she's like, yeah, send me a sample of what you write. And mm-hmm. I just, I wrote something and I had like seven people check it to make it better. I'd put effort into writing this blog. Mm-hmm. Forwarded to her. She said, I love it. She posted it. It got like a lot of views. Okay. Then I did another one. Mm-hmm. That one she liked so much that she said, I'm going to make this the editor's choice, which is the thing they had on the blog. Mm-hmm. And I asked her, what make the blog articles perform better? Mm-hmm. No one else was doing that. They were just writing blogs with what was comfortable for them. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, longer and on these topics. So mm-hmm. I just started writing blogs every week that were longer than everyone else's and on the topics that they were performing well. Mm-hmm. That put me at the top of like the bigger pockets blogosphere. Like okay. of all their blog writers, I was getting picked editor's choice and people were noticing it. Okay. And it was easy to do, man. I was a cop. I'd go arrest someone, go write the report. I'd be waiting for the sergeant to approve it and I'd just huh. start a blog. Oh, you're a cop. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was a cop for 10 years. That's oh. really when I got my start investing. Oh, That's okay. I was doing that long before I was with the podcast. And then when uh, Bigger Pockets decided they wanted to publish more books, mm-hmm. they naturally went to the blog lady and mm-hmm. they said, hey, who's your best author? Mm-hmm. Well, David Green's the best one. Let's talk to him. And they said, do you have a concept on writing a book? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'll write a book on long distance real estate investing because no one talks about it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of what we talked about on the show that I did with them. Mm-hmm. So I got that book deal. I wrote a book. 
the first book I ever wrote. I'm sure it was terribly written, but it did very well. <laughs> and it kind of changed the way I got lucky that it became like a um, kind of like a niche product. Nobody was investing out of state. If you talked about it back when I wrote that book, that was considered reckless and to, like that's risky to go buy in another place. I was like, we have the internet now. It's not as risky as you think. Like, what year was this? Probably that's a good question, man. Probably like 2016, 2017. Okay. Okay. Or so. But nobody was using information from the internet when they were buying homes. The, mm-hmm. It was like the the stigma was you just get ripped off buying into a market you don't understand and hoping it works out. Yeah. And that book detailed the systems. Here's how I check everything to mm-hmm. make sure that things that things work out. So then when I wrote the book, I went back on the podcast to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And then I started doing other people's podcasts. That was how I was promoting the book. Mm-hmm. The book sales did really well. The publishing team really liked me. They said good things about me to Josh Dorkin and the leadership team. Mm-hmm. I got brought back on to do the podcast. It went well. People liked me. We worked on the next book. That mm-hmm. ended up being the Burr book, which mm-hmm. sort of like took off. And that was a really popular thing okay. at the time I did it. So now I've been on the podcast like three or four times. Mm. I've been doing all these other podcasts and I just got good at articulating how real estate works. Mm. There, you know, there's people that are really good at doing stuff, but that doesn't mean that they can teach other people. In fact, yeah. sometimes opposite. I bet you Tiger Woods is a terrible golf coach. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't know um, how to explain why he's so great. He's yeah. just great. You know, mm-hmm. like John Jones, probably not a great MMA coach. No. The guy you want coaching you is the one that had to work super hard and was never quite good enough because they yeah. had to think about every single thing, mm-hmm. right? So by the time that I uh, had done all of these different things within Bigger Pockets, Brandon Turner and I had become friends. Josh Dworkin stepped away from the show. Mm. And BP was just grabbing random people from the office like, hey, do you want to co-host <laughs> with Brandon? They, they weren't very good. <laughs> they owned like one house, if uh, any houses. Yeah. They were kind of goofballs. Like the show mm. just started to suck. And I oh, texted really? Brandon. I was like, hey, I don't know how to tell you this, man, but your show sucks. Like <laughs> I don't even listen to it anymore. Uh, and, and he was like, I know, but I don't know what to do. Yeah. When Josh left, we've just been cycling random people in and mm. they don't want to hire anyone that doesn't work at BP to do the podcast. Yeah. And I was like, well, I think you and I should do it. I think it'd be a lot better. Uh-huh. And we kind of came up with a plan. Mm. I was like, call me when someone can't record. When one of your hosts can't do it, when you're going to have to cancel recording, I will fill in. Mm. And it was only like three weeks and that happened. Mm. Dropped with everything, changed my schedule, recorded the podcast with them, yeah. went back and started listening to it. And I was like, oh, I could have done so much better. Yeah, I would just kind of watch the the podcast tapes like it was game tape. Uh-huh. And I would see how I could improve. And mm. uh, the, the whole pattern I'm getting at here is I didn't just say, all right, I'm sitting at my job as a cop. I want to get on the podcast. Mm. I started getting interviewed, Mm. paying attention to how to get interviewed, how to give a good interview. Mm. I then got into blogging. I then got into writing the books. I then got into promoting the books. I turned it into a bunch of small steps that led to getting on the podcast. Then once I was there, I did the same thing. This can help grow my real estate team. This can help grow the one brokerage. This Mm -hmm. can help me in other ways. I feel like everyone listening to this can take a similar approach to Mm. being successful in life. Yeah. So that's the book I wrote, Pillars of Wealth. It focuses on three pillars, defense, which is saving money, Mm -hmm. offense, which is making money, which I sort of just described an offensive strategy that anyone can follow. Mm -hmm. And then the third pillar is just investing that money. Mm -hmm. It is very simple. The wealthy people I know, that's what they've done. Yeah. They live beneath their means. They focused on bringing value and adding skills and making money. Mm -hmm. And then they just invested the difference and they figured out how to become investing. My opinion is that in the investing community, we focus on the third pillar and we ignore the first two. Mm. They don't have discipline. They don't have skills. They don't have the pieces that they need to actually go out there and invest. They're Mm -hmm. skipping to that point. And when they're not getting success, they're not getting traction, they blame themselves. There's a lot of shame. I just am not cut out for this. I'm not good enough. But Mm -hmm. it would be like if I put you in... To training MMA, 
but you had no conditioning. Mm-hmm. You had no time practicing, learning what the fundamentals of the sport are. Mm-hmm. You had never pushed yourself to do something hard. You'd never been punched in the face. And then I throw you out there. You would think there's something wrong with you. Yeah. But it'd be my fault as a coach for putting you in that position before mm-hmm. you've been prepared. So this book is just the blueprint that nobody wants to hear. Mm-hmm. You need a budget. You need to live beneath your means. You mm-hmm. need to be crushing at what you're doing now before you ask for your next opportunity. Mm-hmm. If you're not giving 100% effort, when I, when I talked with Ryan, we talked about his baseball career, mm-hmm. right? He walked in his freshman year of high school wanting to be the starting, the starting shortstop for the varsity team. Mm-hmm. He was already trying to crush it at whatever opportunity God had given him at that time mm-hmm. before he was asking for something more. Mm-hmm. This book is sort of getting back to the fundamentals of someone who never had a dad, who never had a coach, who never had a person that explained to them, this is what successful people do, that this is what it looks like. Mm, okay. So it's saving money, making money, and then investing money. That's it. And there's yeah. actually a science to all three of those things. 